The NFL Draft was nearly two weeks ago, but there's still so much football to talk about. That's one of the great things about the NFL, isn't it? Des Bryant is back. Le'Veon Bell is still not with his team, we'll explain. And Odell Beckham is being patriotic, but it has nothing to do with being American. Welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. I'm Dave Richard, one of CBS's Fantasy Guys. In for Will Brinson, I'm joined by Bryant McFadden, two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback and all-around great guy, even if he went to Florida State University. <laughs> I'm a hurricane. What can I say? Brian, is there really ever a bad time of year for the NFL? There's never like a slow news. There's definitely not a slow news month. Yeah. But like two, three weeks without news, it almost never happens in the National Football League. There's always something to talk about. Yeah, especially, you know, after the draft. You know, I think when you look at important dates in the NFL calendar year, the Super Bowl would be the most important date. Yep. And then secondly, it would be the NFL draft. Because the excitement that it provides, that's the one opportunity for fans. I don't care who you love as a team. You're all on the same level as far as hoping your team will improve based on what occurred a year ago. So I think now with the draft being, what, two weeks behind us mm-hmm. and getting ready for these rookie mini camps, you better believe there will be so many stories to talk about. And guess what? We have the luxury to do so today. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we should talk about rookie mini camps. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But we got to start with not, not all NFL news is good news. And we should start with what, what broke uh, earlier this week. Jason Pierre-Paul could be out for the year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. He was uh, in a one-car accident about a week ago. And according to ESPN, he suffered a potential season-ending fractured neck in that accident. He's going to visit neck specialists this week, get their opinions on it to see if there's hope to save the season. Brian, this is a 30-year-old pass rusher, easily the best, best pass rusher on Tampa Bay. And they had the 31st-ranked defense last year. I was going to say run defense, but it's overall, total defense. 31st, that's not good. Their best pass rusher's on the shelf. That's not good. And he's long in the tooth. This could be the end of the line for Jason Pierre-Paul. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is a very, very unfortunate uh, incident to happen um, to JPP as an individual and, of course, to, to the organization. Um, when you look at their defense and hearing they're trying to move on from Jared McCoy, another outstanding, experienced player. Now you're, you're losing experience if that was to happen, not to mention not having JPP. Oh, by the way, they're implementing a new defense, and many believe JPP was set up to have an outstanding year, mostly standing up as an outside edge rusher in the uh, Todd Bowles 3-4 system. We know how athletic he is, but being able to be uh, uh, in a scheme, under Todd Bowles. And we know one thing about Todd Bowles, he loves putting pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So removing JPP and looking at how they attack the draft. Now, if this incident happened a week before the draft, remember when they selected uh, Devin White, mm-hmm. Josh Allen was available. Right. Right? Yes. So they passed on Josh Allen to get an unbelievable player in Devin White. But now the need more so switches to outside pass rusher, knowing you have an injury to your top pass rusher in JPP. It's, you know, to think about it like that is one thing. But how about this? They went into the draft knowing that JPP was basically their only pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have Carl Nassib, and they William Goldston. Yeah. Sean Spence? Noah Spence. Uh, I mean, Noah, Noah Spence. Spence. Sean I'm sorry. Spence, was, he was a great <laughs> uh, linebacker. Because you talk about Hurricane. But Noah uh-huh. Spence, yeah. But it, they don't really have a lot. I mean, I don't think Shaquille Barrett is that guy for them. They... They were thin at pass rush yeah. to begin with. Yeah. And 
every team, I don't care, even the Bears, they can use more pass rushers. Yeah, you Every like team to. can use it. And Tampa Bay still decided to go with Devin White instead of Josh Allen. Well, what I'm hearing, um, the few days they were out on the grass before the draft, Nasmith looked real good. Noah Spence looked real good. Even though JPP was not there, they know what he can provide. Mm. And remember, I think Nasmith, uh, 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 what, last year, Nassip had seven and a half sacks, if I'm not mistaken. I think most of those sacks occurred in the latter part of 2018. So they believe he had an opportunity to, to do some good things. But JPP is the best pass rusher on that team. If you remove Gerald McCoy, he is the best player on that defense, hands down. And now knowing that he will potentially be out for the entire 2018 season, I mean, you're talking about – you know, going in the wrong direction before the season starts. I mean, if you're a Buccaneers fan, this is the last news. This is this is the news you do not want to hear at all. And just from the sake of the offense's perspective, if that defense can't slow down any quarterbacks that they're going to face, and look at the quarterbacks that they're going to face, it's Drew Brees twice a year, it's Matt Ryan twice a year, it's Cam Newton twice a year. That offense is going to end up throwing the ball a lot, and you know, Bruce Arians might be fine with that, but. Todd Bowles is going to go crazy if that pass rush isn't there. This is something that we are going to keep track of here at CBS Sports and CBS Sports HQ. Stream it live. You'll get the information as it happens on Jason Pierre-Paul and the Buccaneers defense. Des Bryant, let's let's turn it back to the positive a little bit. Des Bryant, remember last year, spent most of the year without a team. Saints signed him. There's, what what there's, month was that? Was I that want to say November. Late November, there, December. Maybe they, it was late October, because but they, it was definitely like he wouldn't have been able to play till the second okay, half of last season. When they played the Cowboys, that was Thanksgiving, and they just signed Dez. Maybe that was supposed two weeks. to be the Dez game. Yes, and and he, he tore his Achilles. Achilles, so he got signed. I want to say late November. Well, he's back running on the field. He's mm-hmm. posting videos of himself doing his thing. This is something that a lot of players are doing now. Yeah, this is something that was posting workouts, posting their workouts, showing, hey, look. Don't forget about me. Yeah. I can still run. I can still cut. Like like Darius Geis in Washington. I know this is off the beaten path a little bit, but tore his ACL last preseason. Mm-hmm. Since then, he's been showing videos of what he can do, and now he's coming back. And it looks like Dez is following suit because Dez is trying to find a team. Mm-hmm. He's not on a team right now. Um, can he add anything? Is there anything that he can do? Is, you know is, is there a team out there that will, will look at a – I don't know how old Des Bryant is. He's got to be closer to 30 than 27. Hands down. And I and agree. the Achilles, he's coming off of that. What does he offer a team at this it, point? You know what? Outside of name recognition, uh, I don't know, Dave. And I'm a Des Bryant fan. I love seeing him score touchdowns and throw up the X. Um, but I'm just looking at this situation from what I saw last year, right? So we're we kind of – you know, did the timetable as to when he signed right. with the so Saints. So it was November 7th he signed with the Saints, tore his Achilles two days later. November 7th. And he is 30. So he uh, basically sat out two full months, right? Mm-hmm. So it took him a, until the third month of the season to get picked up and when he was healthy. Yes. Right? Right. He was healthy. No injuries at all. No nicks and bruises and at all. It was a Saints team desperate for wide Desperately receiver help. And they had Michael Thomas, um, and they didn't have any wide receiver help. Them. And remember also too, the Saints were kind of going through, going different directions as far as who could they bring in, and then they finally mm-hmm. decided to settle, basically settle for Des Bryant. Right, right. And remember, so, even after Des Bryant got hurt, they brought in Brandon Marshall, and they yeah. realized Brandon Marshall couldn't yeah. do anything. So, so my either, thing is they, this: to answer your question, if it took Des Bryant basically three months 
a year ago, being healthy, to sign with the team. Now he's coming off a season-ending injury to his Achilles, and many believe he lost a step before suffering this big-time injury. I don't think there will be a team to give him a shot. I, I don't, don't think, think so. I don't think there's a chance. Not right now. Not right now. No, no. The, he, he the draft have, just happened. Tons of receivers were picked. Yeah, teams want to go through and see what their prospects look yes. like. The, the free agents, the hot, the, the low price free agents. So it will take, you know, the entire off season p- program. I believe maybe training camp also. And I keep think going. it's going to be after preseason. That. Keep going. It, it will be similar to what we saw a year ago. Yes, thank you. And my thing is this: if it took the Saints. The month until the month of November to sign him being healthy. I mean, here here's the situation that has to happen because I think Des wants to win a ring. I think that that in his mind that will cement his legacy. Winning a ring that gets it done. Yeah, maybe he's got a chance at the Hall of Fame. He wants to sign with a contender where mm-hmm. he can get that ring. Good quarterback. The contender, yeah, sure. Good quarterback has to go with it. The team has to have a huge need at wide receiver to take the chance on Des. And on top of that, now he's got to prove that he can run just like he did before. After tearing his Achilles, I say it's a long shot that we ever see him play in the National Football League again, which I think people that are tired of Dez, they're going to be happy with that. But people who maybe just didn't pay that much attention to Dez and his headaches and they remember him for all the touchdowns yeah. and throwing up the X, just like you said, yeah. they'll, they'll say, well, you know, it would be cool to see him have one last shot I, at greatness. I agree with you, Dave, but what I would love to see happen just from being a fan of the game and being a fan of Dez Bryant, a team just go out and say, you know what, Dez? We're going to bring you in, tra- in, in training camp, and let's see if you still have it. Let's see if you still have a little bit, a little something left in the tank, right? Because that would be a great audition for Des to really show number one he's healthy, and number number two he still can provide an, an element of quality play for a team that's in dire need of wide receivers. Because there's still a few teams that need wide receiver help. The Washington Redskins definitely they're a team that needs help. The Tennessee Titans they need wide receiver help. Well, they think they solved their problems by getting AJ Brown. And they, they got Adam Humphrey. They've they got need, a bunch of slot help. receivers, but I agree. I they think need they help. need up. The Buffalo Bills. Are they a contender? No. Uh, have you named a contender I mean, yet? But the thing is, if you're Des Bryant, you don't have the luxury of deciding, I want to go here or there. Mm. Right? He won't have that luxury. The Miami Dolphins, they can use some help. The Jacksonville Jaguars can use some wide receiver help. So, so that's one that might. Let's yeah. just say that, you know, Jacksonville goes into the season. DJ Shark isn't what they thought he was. D.D. Westbrook. He's, he's a slot receiver. He's got a good chance to catch a lot of passes, but he's not an outside threat. Uh, maybe there, if Jacksonville's defense pushes them toward, mm-hmm. you know, that's well, a tough division that they're in. So maybe they're in the wild card hunt. Do they go and get Des Bryant? Yeah. The team that I had in my mind is totally crazy, but the Patriots. Mm-hmm. The Patriots just drafting Nikhil Harry. You know he's going to play on the outside quite a bit, and you know that Edelman's in the slot. Um, they've they got, have, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Josh Gordon. Is, is Dorsett they still, still have Dorsett. So they might just be totally comfortable with Dorsett. But if there's an injury there between those guys and Demarius Thomas is on the team now, he's coming off of the Achilles, do they go to Des Bryant and they say, hey, look, Des, last year you got, what, $1.2 million bucks from the Saints? I think that's the deal that he signed with the Saints. Mm-hmm. Can they offer him that? League and that's the team he goes but, to? But also, too, Dave, remember the elephant in the room with Des was that he he couldn't create separation, right? So that's why nope, he was still a big available body. in November. Coming off an Achilles injury, when you were already, you know, declining in, uh, when it came to the element of creating separation, what, what will teams think now? He's a, he's a wide chest that probably has enough route running nuance to get, get the job done in the red zone. Mm. Fade routes, jump balls. 
I don't I don't know how high he can jump at this point with the Achilles. I don't uh, I, I, quickness, I think, lateral movement. You know, Des, you, you keep on posting those videos. Yeah, I buddy. think that's best for him. I, right now, your the, team is Twitter. The best, the best, the ideal situation for Des would be a team call him and say, "Come into camp and just earn it." Right, or Training even camp. during the, or in September, or October, come is, in and get, give it. And give also a workout. too with that, if he comes in after uh, opening day, his salary isn't guaranteed. Yep. So they can cut him. Which is give time. so for sure. You yep. know, he's not going to end up with the team before we yep. won. He's, this is a long game for Des. Mm-hmm. He's going to keep posting those videos and eventually he's hoping that a team is desperate enough for a wide receiver that they will go and get him. Let's move on. Let's move on to Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. Cause this guy is going to play. We just talked about two players that are probably not going to play in 2019. Yeah, Bell's playing. Le'Veon Bell's playing, but he's still not with the team. Not with the Jets anyway for voluntary workouts. As we know, he, uh, didn't show up. The Jets seem to be fine with it. He responded to a social media post. Here's the quote. When it's time to play football, I got to stick to the formula that I know works for me to be the best player I can be. I'm not just trying to win football games. I want a ring. I want to desperately show everybody what I can really do. I'll take the heat right now. Everybody will forget about that once January comes around. So I like the mindset. There's going to be two schools of thought here, Brian. There's going to be the people that say, listen, Le'Veon, you just got a ton of money, $27 million guaranteed, almost $60 million on a four-year deal. It's a lot of cash. You got to be there for your team. And then there's going to be the other train of thought, which is Le'Veon Bell is a – he can help you win games at running back. That's a position that's open to injury every single week. You want to keep him as fresh as possible. Let him do his thing because he's ready to go. You've got to trust him to be ready to go. Uh the franchise player knows what's best for his body. Yeah. You know what? One would think, and I believe, the Jet, the Jets knew about this prior to signing Bell. They knew about his off-season regiment, how he goes about his business. They knew this. So signing him and knowing that he's not there for anything that's not mandatory is no surprise. I think when you look at it from the team standpoint, right, the individuals that's in the locker room, I think – being there would, been, would, would, would be beneficial, not just to Bell, but to his new team. Because it's one thing to be removed from any off-season activity when you're playing with the Pittsburgh Steelers and you've been there three, four years. You know the offense. You know how the offense works. You, you understand the schemes. You understand the individuals. So you got a good relationship already established in that locker room. Now you've never taken a snap or caught a pass from Sam Darnold. You don't know too much about your offensive lineman based on outside of what you've seen on tape. So just being able to establish a relationship, not necessarily just about being in between the lines, but away from the field is extremely important, not to mention getting into the playbook, dissecting the playbook. He's a very, very smart guy. His football IQ is very, 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 very high. But yet and still, this is a new, this is new territory for him. And build a, a, a quality relationship with your new quarterback. Chemistry. Chemistry. Rhythm. And, 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 and when I, and a lot of people always misconstrue rhythm and chemistry, chemistry only tied to football related activities. It can be tied to co- communicating in the locker room, communicating in the meeting room, watching tape together. You know, because right now he's a vet. It's very, very important for Le'Veon not just to be an impactful player when it comes to numbers, mm-hmm. but be an impactful player when it comes to leadership. And I know we will all question that ability because based on what we saw a year ago. But one thing he can provide, playing with a Hall of Famer, potential Hall of Famer in Big Ben, 
learning some things from Big Ben, he can really pass that on to Sam Darnold. We might see that show up when, like on a on a swing pass where Darnold throws it and Le'Veon's not expecting it and it falls to the ground. It's an incomplete pass. And if that's on a third down, now the Jets have to punt, something like that during the season where they're just not uh, in simpatico. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what you're talking about here. But can't that also be done at mandatory minicamp, which is going to be in June, training camp, which is going to last a month in July, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, it, it, it can. Because I agree with you. I think it's important for a new player to get adjusted to his new surroundings and, and get to know his – getting to know the offensive line might be the most yeah. important thing for and, him. And you know what? that's the biggest di- – in that, my opinion, that's the biggest difference and, for Le'Veon and, Bell. And for me, the Jets knew what they were getting when they decided to sign Le'Veon. So what some teams do when they know they're dealing with a player that usually loves to be away from the team in the offseason doing his own thing, guess what, Dave? They put a workout – bonus in this contract mm-hmm. so you know what if you're going to say no to three hundred thousand to do your own thing hey okay so be i don't know the terms of his contract as far as the language i don't know he potentially could have a workout bonus but you know what if he had a workout bonus and he said no i wouldn't be surprised because he turned his back on 14 million a year ago to prove a point so some teams do that but the Jets, they're okay with it. We must, we, 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 we gotta be okay with it. Also. We don't have a choice. We've yeah, we, gotta be. We're not we, it's cut, not like we can call Le'Veon and say, Le'Veon, what are you doing? Get to camp. We're not cutting any checks to Le'Veon. I just think from the standpoint of being a former player and knowing how important sometimes the offseason is when you're dealing with new personalities, this is a great time to really establish relationships and togetherness. That's all. Sure. And I know that this might rub a lot of people the wrong way because he just signed for all this money and now yeah. he's even showing up to the team. I want to I want to remind people what Le'Veon Bell is capable of. Just for a minute, he averaged between 115 and 150 total yards per game for four straight years. He had eight or more total touchdowns in four of five seasons. Le'Veon Bell, and this is just the fantasy side of it, Brian. I know you play fantasy. You know I'm all about fantasy. Yeah. He's delivered at least 10 fantasy points in 81.6 percent of his games over the yeah. previous four seasons that he played. That is uncanny consistency. Oh, he's a beast. He's yeah. a beast. And, and the argument would be Le'Veon should be in, in, uh, in, in should be attending these off-season activities, not for him because he's a beast. Those numbers, I mean, we know what he provides. It's about helping his team. You don't you question Sam Darnold still? You know, you question some of the pass catchers. Offensive line play was very, very average. And they made some additions, so they should be a little, a little better <laughs> above average. The defense, you question the defense. The only thing you don't question dealing with the Jets right now, as far as just being consistent, as as far as being a superstar, is Le'Veon Bell. Now you got C.J. Mosley also from the defense, so that should we know what sure. he provides. And Jamal Adams is still yeah, on and that Jamal defense. Adams, Leonard Williams, but the best Quinter player Williams. on that team, the best player on that team, is Bell. The fact that I even hesitated before agreeing with you tells you something, though. Like, I think you might be able to make the case for long-term, could be Jamal Adams. I mean, long-term, it long- could be Quentin Williams. Be, yeah, yeah. But right now... We can't say that. Quentin Williams yeah, hasn't played Right game. now, Le'Veon, if you throw out positions and just say top 10 players in the game right now, even though he missed the game, Ooh, he missed a even though he missed the season, I'm sorry, if you said top 10 or top 15, he, he would be the first Jets player to crack that list. If it's top 25. If you were to make yeah, the list. If, any position. If you were to make a list and put out your top 25 players, he would be the first Jets to make the list. Yeah, I, I, I think you can make a strong case for that. He's, he's, he's a fantastic player. I think everybody just, 
they see him missing a whole season and they're going, nah, I don't know if he's got his mind right. He got just got paid. Now he's going to be lazy. Hopefully it's not that. Yeah. Hopefully it's that consistency that he brings that we just talked about that helps the Jets get better. Uh, Le'Veon's going to try and beat the Patriots. Odell's trying to become the Patriots. Wow. We'll tell you how after this quick break. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right, Odell Beckham can't say out of the headlines. First of all, first of all, he had on a uh, what was a quilt? What the Mac- a, a kilt? A I kilt? said it wrong. What I said, quilt. 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 If you had a quilt, he had like a big blanket <laughs> a that his grandma made. He had on a kilt. He had a kilt on. Yeah, with a sleeveless jacket yes. at the Met Gala. At the Gala, Mac, you got to dress up for the Met Gala. You don't have to wear. Well, well, think about the suits you have in your closet. What yeah. would you wear to the Met? Gala? I mean, it wouldn't be a normal business you, style you can't, suit. You I'll can't. really dress it up, but you, I'm not wearing a kilt. No, I think I might go because I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm not fashionable at all. I mean, yeah. my wife picks out most of my stuff. Yeah, but like, I'd go like. Would you wear a kilt? No, I. I don't think that that's my style. I think <laughs> the the best that I could do to try and stand out would be all black everything. Mm-hmm. Black suit, black shirt, black tie, black cufflinks on a black uh, three piece suit. Yeah, I, I kind of specialize in that, but I would go. That I, I wouldn't stand out at all. I mean, Lady Gaga is taking off all of her clothes at the Met Gala. <laughs> no one's going to remember the fat guy in the black suit. All right, Odell Beckham wants to turn the Browns into the Patriots. So when he's not wearing a kilt and uh, maybe thinking about playing the bagpipes, he's thinking about being the next dynasty in the National Football League. And I'm all for setting goals. But is this biting off a little bit more than he can chew? I don't like it. And here's why. I mean, this is a team that, didn't make the playoffs a year ago. I don't know the last time the Browns made the playoffs was 2007. I think it was when Derek Anderson was the quarterback. I re- he was a pro and he, bowler. Didn't Bray- he get hurt and it was like Kelly Holcomb? Braylon Edwards was a pro Wasn't, bowler. Didn't they have the playoff game against the Seals? I don't know. if 2007, it? I think it was the last year they made the playoffs. Maybe I'm or, crazy. or it was 2007. The last I'm remembering time they won. the Kelly Holcomb game. Yeah, that was that, that was, was before. Yeah. I think the last time the Browns won the play- made it to the playoffs or had 02. But that was the Kelly Holcomb. Oh, yeah, Kelly Holcomb. That was 02, but okay, right. the last time they had a winning record was 2007. 10 and 6. Yeah, okay. So we're talking about a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2002, a team that has not 
uh, uh, provided a winning record since 2007, and now you're saying you're trying to turn the Browns into the Patriots. Listen, the Patriots is still relevant, right? So they're still oh, the cream yeah. of the crop. That's one thing. Number, secondly, for me, Odell, you're a new player here, and you're still a dynamic player, but you're coming from an organization that has been bad as well. I think a realistic goal would be let's win our division. Yeah. Let, let's win our division because you know what happened, listeners, when you win your, your division? You get an automatic seat in the tournament. In the at playoffs, home. For at home for the most part. Well, right? I mean, at depending least one on game. Yeah, yeah, your yeah, first yeah, playoff game, game is at home. Yeah, yeah. So if you win your division, anything else can happen. Don't go ahead and just sit here and say, uh, that's, that's almost like he's not even predicting to win the Super Bowl this year. He, he's predicting a dynasty. A dynasty. He's wishing for a dynasty. And you know, Ryan. who knows if he'll be with the Browns in the next four years, the next five years. We don't well, know. Well, he's saying it. Here's what he said. It's an interview with GQ magazine. Quote, I would say Mayfield's next, but I feel like he's now. He's Brett Favre. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. All right. I'm, let's just hit the pause button right I mean, there. Put a lot of high he, expectations. He, all right. So like, yeah. Everything is ice cream, rainbows, and puppy dogs for Odell Beckham. It's his teammates are going to the Hall of Fame now. His t- new team is going to the Super Bowl. It's it's a little too much sugar. Yeah, if you he, ask put, me. he put it's, a lot of pressure on. I mean, that's like you know, remember when Dak Prescott had a great rookie year and then a, a second takes year a setback. Sure, it happens. Back. You know, injuries occur, things like that happen. So I believe the Browns will be better, no question. But as far as putting these. Oh, you know, these goals on the Browns right now. We're talking about Cleveland Browns. They haven't been relevant since t- 2007. Mm. And even then, it they wasn't good make, enough to make the playoffs. Exactly. So I understand what he's, I understand where he's trying to go, but the timing is not right. No, it's, uh, it's a little too much, but it got me thinking. If the Browns, I, 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 I think it's a little crazy to say that they're the next dynasty. I do think it's okay to say they're a playoff contender in the AFC. They're going to be in the conversation based on the personnel that they have. And it's not just, oh, they got Odell Beckham. They're going to be great. I think that they've drafted well the past couple of years. I do think Baker Mayfield is a great quarterback. Mm -hmm. Top seven in fantasy. Maybe top five if you're really loving Baker Mayfield. I mean, you look at the targets around him. They're pretty dang good. The defense got better this offseason, too. They got Olivier Vernon. Sheldon Richardson's there. I think they're going to free Miles Garrett. Garrett was talking just a couple weeks ago about how he was only allowed to do two different types of pass rush moves. Mm-hmm. And now, like, you know, his, his whole repertoire is at his disposal. But the Browns' weaknesses, if they are going to be a playoff contender this year, can they get over their flaws? And I've got, I have four weaknesses that the Browns might have that I want to throw at you. You tell me if you agree or disagree. First one is offensive line. They had to trade Kevin Zeitler to get Olivier Vernon. That's a big loss. I think that's a big loss. I know he's a veteran, and I don't know how many years Zeitler's got left in the tank, but I think he's good. They're replacing him with Austin Corbett, who was a high-profile rookie. I think he was a second-round pick for them last year. And I think the line is good, but I don't know if it's great. I don't know if I'm ready to say it's very good. It's certainly not one of the best in football. It's one that concerns me. Just I mean, in their division, the office, their offensive office line may be at best third. Oh, it's absolutely third. Yes, at best. Because the Bengals offensive line, even with the additions they made, not the best. It's the worst. Secondary. Now, I know everybody's excited because they got Greedy Williams. And I don't know what you think of Greedy Williams. Mm -hmm. You're the expert around here when it comes to defensive back. If if he's dialed in and he believes in play with effort, athleticism. He's got to tackle. He's got to tackle. It's effort. It's, it's, It's the want to. You gotta want to stick your face in the fan. When I mean when I say that, stick your face into a, a ball carrier's chest mm-hmm. from time to time. You don't have to do it all the time, but let him know, listen, I'm not a pushover. 
He turns down battles. Yep. You can't turn battles down. You can't. So athleticism is there, but they had issues. A year ago, their defense was kind of it was kind of it was a it was a fool you type of defense because they were so opportunistic mm-hmm. as far as getting sacks, as far as turnovers. And trust me, I know because I had them on one of my fantasy uh, <laughs> on one of my fantasy teams, and they gave you quality points, but they were giving up a lot of points as well. Yes. So secondary wise, that, that was a concern for me. But I like where you're going as far as the addition because I think he could be a real good player. I think it's good that they're that they added Greedy Williams. I think he's got potential. I still think that he could be. Uh, someone that offenses target when they play against the Browns. I think their kicking game could be a weakness. I know they just drafted Austin Seibert, mm-hmm. I believe is his name, who's basically Baker's buddy from Oklahoma. Wasn't even the best kicker in the draft. I think Matt Gay actually has that that title on him, and he's in Tampa. Maybe the Bucks solved their kicking issues. But here's the last weakness on the Cleveland Browns. Coaching. Mm. Freddie Kitchens took over late last year. Did some nice things with the offense. The team was far more competitive. Was that him or was that Baker? Steve Wilkes is now the defensive coordinator. He just was fired. He just got fired from being the head coach in Arizona. And Arizona's defense, I mean, I, I think they were solid. I think that's the biggest weakness of all in Cleveland is that their coaching staff is inexperienced, uh, doesn't uh, – you, you compare their coaching staff – to the Patriots coaching staff, it's like comparing Superman to almost a normal person, I'd say. So I think that that's where the Browns really have to make up the most ground, Brian. Yeah. They've got their coaching staff has to get wise beyond their years for them to be ready for the playoffs. Coaching, coaching regular season games, fine. But there's, listen, they're going to play the Patriots this year. I think it's like week eight. Mm hmm. I don't know if Freddie Kitchens and company will be able to outsmart Bill Belichick. I would say that they can't. And see, that's another thing as far as what Odell, you know, said in his presser, you know, making the Patriots, becoming the Patriots in the next four or five years and turning the Browns into a dynasty. The staff, as far as the head man in charge, Bill Belichick, Freddie Kitchens is nowhere close to even being in a conversation with Belichick. He's nowhere cl- close no to being in No one in the that. league is. Yeah, no one no in the one, league is. And the thing is, too, I understand this is Freddie Kitchens' first full-time head coaching opportunity. But before Belichick became a head coach, he was already considered a defensive guru. So he was already put in that category as far as being one of the best defensive-minded guys in the game, and then he eventually became a head coach. So the respect, the experience, the success was already there on Bill Belichick, and was able to assemble a quality staff and the rest is history. Freddie Kitchen, I mean – he has no expertise in anything as far as just being an offensive-minded guy. You know what I mean? So okay. th- that's a big difference. Yeah. One guy came into a head coaching opportunity as cons- a guru, a guy that stopped, shut down the K-Gun offense uh, with the Buffalo Bills, a guy that stopped the uh, the West Coast offense in the San Francisco 49ers when he was a D.C. for the New York Giants. He really shut down some unique offenses at that time was – was was a thing uh, was a surprise to see the way how the Bills were running their offense, the way how the 49ers were running their offense. He came up with quality game plans to stop those offenses when most teams didn't have any answer to what they were doing. So that's another thing as far as this statement being so far fetched. Puts a lot of pressure on everybody in Cleveland, especially don't you think? Baker and the coaching staff. What happens when injuries take place? Because we know they will. What happens when? You know, Odell might not get the game he uh, provide the production he would like to provide. You know, my thing is this. Who keeps all these personalities in, in, in check? And will the defense be better? Because you talked about the defense. I mean, I wrote down some numbers. They were 30th 
in total defense at the bottom half and rush defense they were 28 pass defense they were 26 yeah i mean i i think that they are trying obviously the rush defense the addition of vernon the addition of richardson that should help them get toward the middle of the pack pass defense that's that's one that i think they're going to have a harder time with okay you might see odell beckham say a lot of wild and crazy things you might see him at the met gala you will not see odell beckham jr at rookie minicamp and now a lot of teams pretty much every team they drafted their rookies. They got some undrafted guys. They've got a bunch of young players coming in on tryouts. They're having rookie mini camps right now. It's a chance for coaches to see what they've got in the players that they have. So here's the question just to lead off on this topic, because I think I, I don't know if this is just a dog and pony show because there's no real tackling going on. There's no full blown installations going on except for the high draft picks that the teams actually took. How much can we possibly learn from rookie mini camps? Well, you can learn a lot. And, you know, speaking from experience, I think as a veteran player, when you hear about some of these new players you just drafted, as far as high-round high guys and guys that were late-round guys, you want to exactly see what they have. And this is simple as looking at a young DB, backpedal, watching a young DB come out his plant, watch how he drives on the ball. Little things like that, you can instantly see it from a guy and say, you know what, he has it. Now he just needs needs to be coached up a little bit, and then eventually he will flourish. I mean, I've seen guys like Santonio Holmes, who we drafted years back with, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think it was in the 2006 draft, if I'm not mistaken, Santonio. Okay. Either 06, 07. I think it was. Okay. Instantly I saw Tone run a curl route. Like, okay, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's going to be all right. Was Heath Miller in your draft class? In my draft. Yeah, I knew Heath had, had that sauce anyway because I played against him at Virginia when I was at Florida State. Uh-huh. So I knew what Heath brought to the table, so I didn't <laughs> have to see Heath at all. But, you know, I'm just speaking when I was a bit older. When I saw guys like Emmanuel Sanders run that outcut, mm-hmm. outcut, when I saw Antonio Brown run an outcut, and I saw grass just kicking up behind him because he was so explosive, I said, wow, he has it. Then I see a guy like Lyman Swede who didn't seem as polished as some of the other wide receivers that I just mentioned, then you kind of saw, hmm, it's going to take some time. You know what I mean? So instantly from vets, from the eye standpoint, the eye test, you instantly see if a guy really has potential. And then other guys, work in progress. He might not be a guy that can provide an impact his first year. Mm -hmm. So I think mini camps is important from that standpoint, especially with the coaches, because now, Dave, you're a coach and I'm a DB and you see me kind of having issues backpedaling. Now you know what you need to work on with me going forward. If I was a second round guy and you drafted me, you already knew I was a bit raw. But now you're actually seeing it with your own eyes, going through different DB drills, the W drills, the out drill, three cone drills, things like that. You know what? McFadden needs to stay a little low. I mean, these are things I need to work on. So mental Mm -hmm. note to self, when we get ready to get into training camp, when I give him certain things to work on by himself before training camp, I know what to work on now. You know, if I see he's having issues at the the line of scrimmage playing bump and run, now I know what I need to work on. Or if if he's having issues in off coverage, things like that. And also, too, the last thing I'll say about mini camps, it's almost like any individual that's listening to us right now, and they're an adult. Eventually, you want to <laughs> tap into, because I don't think kids can invest right now, right? Sure. But uh, most adults can invest. You loved hoping that as soon as you put some money down on an investment, it, it can be anything. Penny stock, it doesn't even matter. Just seeing something positive from your investment. Because now you, but the last thing you want, excuse me, from an investment is this, day instantly it flops. Now you're a bit concerned. It's funny you bring that up. Uh, do you know who Jim Nagy is? Nagy. Nagy. Yeah. 
he's he's running the Senior Bowl now. Mm-hmm. Posted on uh, Twitter, I guess in the past week, rookie minicamp is an exciting time for NFL staffs, but there are some oh-crap moments where teams immediately know a player they just drafted mm. isn't what they thought he was. I was with a team that once took a skill player in round three, and we knew right away you, yeah. it was a bad pick. I mean, I didn't, like you mentioned Lima Sweet, and you go, hmm, it's going to take him some time. So I, I don't think you I don't know if you can really see a player in rookie minicamp and say there's no way that kid's going to make it. I, I I think there's always the chance that you could see You're him say he's going to need some time. He's going to need coaching but to know he's not going to make it. Now, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I remember, I said maybe you see a guy and say to yourself, year one he might not give us anything, mm-hmm. right? Right. Unless he has outstanding effort. Now we can use him in, in the special teams uh, category. But as far as teams, defensive or, or offensive, I don't see him because he's too raw. I mean, that's why I believe mini camps are so important because you have rookie mini camps when they're just the rookies and then they, they took the team mini camp. Now, so from veterans, we're like, oh, we just picked up a guy in the first round. Let's see what he's working with. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, nah, I mean, he, no, we instantly see it. Do you, what if it's a player at your position? Are you honest with yourself? If you see oh, somebody not. at your position and, and you say, oh, yeah, wow, that guy's I mean, good, and they just took him, yeah. and they're invested in now, him. As now vet, more than I, I got to get me. I got I to gotta stay on my job now. I got to stay on my A game because when you have – and I think if it's a high-round guy, you already go into a situation wanting to see what he can do. But if it's a mid-round guy, a late-round guy, and now he's looking like he should have been a first-round guy, now you're like, uh-oh, okay. And this is the guy you need to watch. I, but also, too, one thing I can say, Dave, in Pittsburgh, competition was always wanted. Mm-hmm. And I had older guys, when I came in as a second-round draft pick, were helping me. Even That's though I, great. And they were helping me. And they, and they saw, like, you know what, B-Mac looked like he, he got it. He can play. But let me talk to him and let him know that if he did this the next time, he'd be that close. He'd be that much closer to breaking on the ball. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really appreciate that. And so guess what I did when I got older? Even though they might have drafted a guy in my same position, I'm helping him also. I went back and looked to find that player, William Gay in 2007. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how you felt when they drafted William Gay in 2007, whether you felt threatened by the Steelers bringing somebody that plays your position. I don't know if you played your side of the field mm-hmm. or was strictly outside or strictly slot. But from what I'm hearing, it's part of the culture in Pittsburgh to help the new kid. No and question. I'm hoping that that's what you did with William Gay. First of all, William was from Florida. So, you know, Florida boys, when we, when we connect, uh-huh. especially in the league, we already got a bond. You know what I mean? So instantly, he from Florida, we, I'm from Florida, bruh, we, we're hanging out. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to rock together. Cause let me show you what it means to be a professional on and off the football field. Then when we got on the field, oh yeah, well, that's, that's what's up. Cause when he's getting better, I got to get better too. You know what I mean? The same can be said for the rest of our secondary. You know, when I first got drafted, Ike was watching me. Ike was helping me. He was getting better. Deshae Townsend, Willie Williams, all these veteran guys. So how can I be so selfish when I receive quality help from quality veterans who didn't have to do so for me to turn my back on another guy who's younger than me that plays the same position and say, you know what, I'm not helping him. That's hating. Mm -hmm. And that does not warrant success. Do you think it's that way for quarterbacks too? Some quarterbacks – but not all quarterbacks. It's not just quarterbacks. There are a lot of other teams throughout the National Football League where players decline helping younger players if they play the same position. And you can tell because those are the teams that struggle. That's interesting that 
the, the straight up teams they don't have that as part of their culture. Listen, what you're saying. my cousin uh, Walter McFadden, who used to play for Auburn, got drafted by the Oakland Raiders, told me called me one training camp extremely hot. There was a secondary mate of his mm-hmm. corner for the Raiders that told him, "You're a rookie, so you don't have to worry about going fast." You can go about it half speed in certain team drills, and that's okay. <laughs> so my cousin. That, that's a veteran who's trying to keep his job. Walter was like, okay, he a vet, so he knows exactly what he's talking about. He's been around for quite some time. He did what he told, what he was told to do from the player and got cursed out. So now he put two and two together like, man, you set me up. Mm-hmm. But he didn't tell the coaches that because, you know, he's not that type of individual, but he was ready to go jump into that player's chest and like, man, why are you trying to set me up? I, I had to calm him down because I'm like, bro, if you get into that altercation dealing with a veteran player, guess what? You're wrong. So now you're already starting behind the eight ball as a rookie. And instantly I said, it's not like that in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, you're a young guy. Dave, this is what we're going to do. Outcut, watch the third step on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. When, he's, when he when he settles his feet, remember, you might get a short route. Mm-hmm. Jump it. Mm-hmm. Go get it. Yeah. But also, too. Be mindful of the double move. But when you see him set his feet on that third step, ball, shoulders are turning, one hand is on the ball because the other hand came off, he's getting ready to let it go. Go get it. Mm-hmm. Now you take that a little quick insight, wow, and you pass it on. But just the fact that that's part of the culture in Pittsburgh, and it's not in other places, if I'm a fan of a team that's not like that, I'm mm-hmm. wondering what the hell are they thinking? Well, you know, most fans don't know that. You know what I mean? I'm just speaking from experience because I was in the league and I talked to individuals that play for other organizations. So I know. I'm gonna tell you like this here, right? Let's look at let's look at the domino effect from what the Pittsburgh from what the Pittsburgh Steelers have done. Wide receiver wise, I understand wide receiver is considered a prima donna uh, uh, a prima donna type of position. Diva, diva the team that they the yeah term yeah you know yeah. divas you know guys that you know selfish and they, it's all about me. But look at Heinz the Heinz Ward effect. Heinz Ward was always one of the key contributors offensively. Then in comes Plexigo Burst. Mm-hmm. Balls out. Then in comes Antoine Randall. Balls out. And then in comes a guy like Nate Washington. Balls out. Then in comes a guy like Santonio Holmes. I mean, the, Balls the list out. of Steelers. Yeah. Was, this is why people are drafting Deontay Johnson yeah. in fantasy. I mean, I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown. Guess who they all learn from? Heinz Ward. Mm-hmm. Look at the linebacker situation. Jason Gildon, um, Lloyd, Greg Lloyd, mm-hmm. then Joey Porter, then Clark Hagens, then James Harrison, then Lamar Woodley, mm-hmm. look Lawrence at the, Timmons, Lawrence Timmons, James Ferrier, mm-hmm. Larry Foote. Look at all these, look at all these guys yeah, that they were mentored. Sure. And I wa- I witnessed all of this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that was always the domino effect. And that's what Pittsburgh got to get back to doing to be successful. Not just Pittsburgh, but other organizations. On his radio show last year, and this is, I want to get more to the quarterbacks and what they owe incoming quarterback draft pick. Roethlisberger said of Mason Rudolph, quote, I was surprised when they took a quarterback because I thought that maybe in the third round, you know, you can get some really good football players that can help this team now. Nothing against Mason. I think he's a great football player. I don't know him personally, but I'm sure he's a great kid. I just don't know how backing up or being the third, who knows where he's going to fall in the depth chart, Helps us win now, but that's not my decision to make. That's on the coaches and the GM and the owner and those kinds of things. If they feel like he can help our team, so be it. But I was a little surprised. And it, you know, first of all, Ben is the adult in the room, according to 
uh, was it Rooney who, who made that, or was it Kevin Colbert? Kevin, Kevin Colbert, Colbert. Who said that it's 52 kids and Ben Roethlisberger. And it's not Ben saying, yeah, I can't wait to get to know him, teach him everything that I've learned, help him become a great Pittsburgh Steeler because I know I can't play forever. It's, gee, I'm, I'm surprised they took him because there were some players in the third round that I would have rather had. And so it's just it makes me wonder just how much the quarterbacks. Like, look in Baltimore last year. Ravens spend draft capital, move up, get Lamar Jackson at the end of the first round. Joe Flacco, I, he didn't even talk to him as far as I know. Maybe half the year he didn't even really work with Lamar Jackson. Don't you think Lamar Jackson could have gotten a lot of help from Joe Flacco if Flacco had said, hey, look, I know my time's running out. I'm going to help you be the best pro you can be because that's what it's about for me. Joe Flacco once upon a time was a rookie in this league. I'm sure he got some help. Yeah, I mean, Big Ben got help from Tommy Maddox. Yeah. Charlie Batch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Those are the guys that were in that room when he got drafted. So, you know, that's what I said. You remember I said, a few, uh, what, maybe 15 minutes ago, Pittsburgh needs to get back to doing mm-hmm. some of the things that we used to do. Now, that was what? Two years ago, right? A year ago? Last year, we made that statement. And hopefully, you know, he, he feels differently, especially with that two year extension that he just received. Right. Um, yes. But I, I, I believe that they should help players in any working environment. If you're trying to b- build something that's successful, you got to have people that have already been in the building, whatever that nine to five is willing to help new people that come into building because at the end of the day, we're all chasing the same goal, success. And guess what, Dave, if you're, if you're, if you're working as a telemarketer, right. And I'm coming in, you want the top guys in the building and doing what you're doing. If you feel threatened by me, you're not willing to help me. I might not bring in the sales that I'm supposed to bring in. And guess what? That still reflects you also because we're under, under the same umbrella. Sure. But if you're, a guy that's confident in your ability and say, well, we got a new guy coming in. Let me show him how to really bring in these sales. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to say. Now, we're all bringing in sales. We're all winning because there is no I in team, and team is not – there's no team that's in, is in teams. There's no individuals. It's not an individual sport like playing golf. Sure. You have a caddy. Your caddy can be bad and still be good. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. But if we're playing a team-related sport, if we're part of a team corporation – I mean, we got one weak link that will show up eventually. It's all about feeling threatened. Yeah, you should. That's you got to be confident. And if you feel threatened, you can't show it. Your the best way to attack feeling threatened is to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Do your job. Do your job. So that your confidence is never questioned. In my opinion, did you ever think back to two thousand five in Pittsburgh? Did you ever see Tommy Maddox try and take Ben under his wing? Yeah. Or I mean, do you they think? All... Do you think it could have been Tommy Maddox saying? Hey, sorry, kid. I know I'm a, I'm a short timer near the future here, but I got to get nah, mine. We didn't have maybe that. that's what we set didn't have, Ben to think like this. We didn't have that type of building, Dave. I mean, Charlie Batch knew who the quarterback was. Tommy knew who the quarterback was, but they're willing to help him because they still could provide some type of uh, assistance because of the knowledge and experience they had. Well, not every quarterback is like that. Uh, in Carolina, Cam Newton came right out and said he's going to do everything he can to help Will Greer be the best quarterback that he could be. The Panthers took Will Greer, uh, 100th overall, third-round pick in the NFL draft. I love Greer coming out of West Virginia, by the way. Um, but here's what Cam had to say. I reached out to Will. I actually saw Will play in high school with him being in Charlotte, and I'm just excited. Like I said, for him to come on a team that I know he possesses a rare talent, 
It's my job to put myself and my team in the best situation and to get everybody ready. I want to make sure that I'm my best teammate and my best self for everyone. I like that. That's a quote from a guy who's confident. I like that. That's a quote from a guy who knows exactly what his place is on the team, what his role is. He's not threatened at all by Will Greer coming to take his spot. His bank account isn't being threatened at all. His bank account is just fine. If anything that Cam Newton's got to worry about, it's getting his shoulder ready for uh, for the start of the season. And I wish that that tells me that maybe the culture in Carolina is like what it is in Pittsburgh. Most well, well, of, mostly in Pittsburgh, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I I love hearing that because you need to welcome your new teammates. You need to make them feel welcome because at at the end of the day, when you make them feel welcome, now they appreciate appreciate that and they go about their business in a different matter. I got to let Cam know I appreciate him showing me what I need to do and my job as a teammate. Whenever I'm in the ball game, I got to go out and ball out. That's that's mm-hmm. you don't want to make these young kids feel like outsiders. And by the way, if something happens to Cam where hurts himself and he's out for a couple of games, yeah, Will Greer's got to step in. Yeah, and don't you want Will Greer to win those games and mm-hmm. keep the seat warm for you for when you come back? Well, I mean, you want him to be prepared. You want him to be comfortable. I I, I love hearing that from Cam Newton, and you know I would love to. And I know a lot of teams have players that don't mind helping young players or new players at the end of the day, but it's not always the case. Trust me, I know. Well, I'm glad it was like that for you in Pittsburgh. And by the way, I'm happy to be your teammate here on the picks. Yes, you, I mean, you guys, you know, welcome me with open arms. Sure. And, and, and I as soon as I that. heard, oh, yeah, I play fantasy football, I was like, all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Brian's good people. And, and I think that's why, you know, certain places are unique and special and successful because there's no hating involved. You know, when there's hating involved, you're dealing with people that have, have the wrong attitude. And hopefully you won't see that from your teams when you're – when you leave this podcast and you go and you follow your favorite teams and hopefully you don't see anything like that and no. you know peace harmony and yeah. helping your teammates out and success we are chasing the same thing we're all trying to do what Odell's trying to do baby oh, trying to a win dynasty that, win, <laughs> win that dynasty and create a dynasty all right on tomorrow's pick six podcast Brady Quinn Pete Prisco they'll be here they're going to go over their post draft power rankings is there any team other than the Patriots that could be at top I have no idea but Brady and Pete will tell you so make sure to follow. The Pick 6 Podcast at Pick 6 Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me at Dave Richard, all one word, and at BMAC Sports Talk on Twitter. Underscore Sports Talk. BMAC underscore Sports Sports Talk. Talk. Yes, sir. Got to get rid of that underscore. You don't like the underscore? Uh, What what happened to BMAC Sports Talk? No underscore. Is that taken? Is there another BMAC out there? Potentially. I don't know if he's the real one, but it was taken, I think. There's a reason why I had to get the underscore. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not going to slight you for the underscore. Appreciate it. Bad teammate. For Brian McFadden, I am Dave Richard. Thanks for coming out.